Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. One of the most amazing facts that I remember hearing after I started following Christ is that he could use me. Now, I found that amazing. I was just a little country boy, stuttered and stammered and shy to think God could use me was beyond measure. But that's one of the reasons we have this program called Exploring Missions, is we want to let you know God can save you and God can use you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ that is real, you're missing out on the greatest adventure. Uh, you're mi- missing out on the best friend that anyone ever ever had in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you'd come to know him as Lord and Savior of your life. And again, this is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper. Nathan, it's good to be with you. Yeah, it's great to be back. Today, we're going to look at what God is doing in a life, in a family, in a church, and in a nation. So we're going to try to put that all together. Mm -hmm. And uh, let me introduce our guest today is Tracy Atkins. And I have the privilege of working with Tracy at Hillcrest Baptist Church in New Albany, Mississippi, where I'm the interim pastor and uh, enjoying the work there. Uh, I enjoy so many things about the work there, but one of the things I enjoy the most is the church is missional. They're missional locally, and they're missional everywhere else, nationally and internationally, and we praise God for that. Tracy, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good to finally meet Nathan as well. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah, I've been talking about Nathan at Hillcrest and the work that God has done through him. And so we want to talk about this today. Your position at Hillcrest, you're a staff member there? I am. I'm the uh, officially the Minister of Missions and Disciple Making. What a combination. Most churches of any size, it, hey, if you're going to be lean and mean, you got to do two things at least, right? Absolutely. At least, <laughs> at least two. At least two. Yeah, that's hey. the... That's the only two hats that he wears that get named. <laughs> All the correct. other hats he wears just don't have a name on it. You That's know, correct. those job descriptions and such things that may be assigned, you know, that that uh, usually goes at the bottom. But it is good to have you with us today. And Thank you. It's I, good to be here. Just tell you the truth, enjoying being with you, working with you, and worshiping the Lord right. together, Amen. you Amen. know. So it's awesome. Well, again, we want to go through your story and uh, you've you've been on the mission field before, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You and your wife, we did. Um, I have I have to tell you, brother Bert, that I grew up same way you did, in a town of about twelve hundred people. I bailed hay during the summer, uh, cut grass, built houses, those kinds of things that uh, rural Mississippi boys do. I did not ever envision myself being used by God the way that um, the way that we were able to uh, see him work and some of the places that we've been I I look back and look around even now thinking I had no idea uh, God what are you doing why are you using little old me from from Stonewall Mississippi now and so it's it's been exciting I I met my wife uh, when we were at state and 
That's Mississippi State University. Yes, sir. Okay. Go dogs. <laughs> <laughs> when we met and when we got married, neither one of us had any idea that we would be moving, I guess, 15 years into our marriage, moving to another country, leaving everything that we knew. And that was that was okay. Generally, I think we operate best when we don't know what's way out in the future. Because <laughs> when we first got married, if we had known what was coming in the next 15 to 20 years, we would have run the other way. Yeah. There were some exciting times. There were some not so exciting times. When we first began the process of thinking that, that God was calling us to move overseas, Kathy was much um, much more fearful than I was. I felt God leading us that way a number of years before uh, before God spoke to her and before he used some other folks around her to, to motivate her that way. When I first approached her about what I thought God was saying to me through the word, she was was less than excited, I think is probably a good way to put it. We prayed together, and Brother Bert, we were able to watch God from the time that, particularly from the time that she finally said, yes, God, whatever you want us to do. And at that time, we had two little boys. One was seven. The other one was about three. When we first started the process, we were we were scared. Yeah. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know why God was was wanting to do that with us. We both had great jobs. Uh, we worked for what used to be McRae's, and we were happy. We worked in the same building. We had a great income. Our boys were in Clinton schools, great school system, a lot of things going on. We We were able to watch God, though, move us from a position of we have no idea what's going on, and and take all of these obstacles out of the way. Kathy would describe this much better than I can, but God eliminated eliminated debt. He took care of medical issues, all these things yeah. that we saw as barriers, right? as barriers to us being there. And that was really Kathy's. That was her thing in particular. She said, "If this is something God's going to do, then He's." And she just started naming all things. There, there, you know, we would get in fleeces. You know, yep. God, if you really want us to go, you've. Uh, that's but, not just uh, yeah. for your wife. I think it's for many, many it, wives it and men too. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's good that one, at least one, of the spouses in a in a marriage is realistic. Right. You know. Right. Here's right. the real issues. They're real and they're tangible, and. We can't do anything about it until these are addressed. Right? I'm afraid my head was always up yeah, in the clouds. I'm the same and, way. Yeah. And so uh, anyway. It's it's just awesome the way that uh, couples, uh, and I'm sure you guys can say the same thing, but it's awesome the way that God brings couples together and how we complement each other. And Kathy's, Kathy is my practical, Tracy, these are the things that we have to look at, and I'm the head in the clouds kind of guy. I, I'm always thinking five years out, and Kathy's thinking, let's deal with the things that are right in front of us now. God knocked down all of her obstacles, and eventually in, in 2001, we were we were appointed uh, by the International Mission Board in January, the very end of January in 2001. 
the Wednesday after Easter Sunday in April, we landed in a large city in North Africa, the Middle East region, and we landed in the middle of the night, packed up our 21 action packers, and I can't remember how many pieces of luggage, (laughs) threw them on top of a vehicle, had them tied down, tied to the back, and here we go through the city from literally from one end of the city all the way to the other to our apartment. We moved in, got there that first night. We had no clue what uh, what had happened to us. Yeah. Where are we, Lord? That's, uh, very, uh, very soon after that, we began sending our boys. Uh, this was in April of 2001. In uh, early September of 2001, we began putting our boys on a bus, sending them about an hour across town to this school. This is right after 9-11. This is right if before 9-11, Brother Bird. Right yes, sir. Before, okay, yes, sir. I, when I heard 2001 in yes, September. Yeah. They had been attending wow. school for about, about a month when September 11th happened. And uh, we, like I said, we were putting them on a bus and watching them leave, and they would go for about an hour to their school, and then in the afternoon, either we would go pick them up, or we had a very good friend that would pick them up and bring them back to us. We, just briefly around 9-11, we didn't know what was going on. We had a friend call us that day and say, hey, you may want to turn on the television. Our boys were actually on their way home from school that day, and so we had to explain to them why mom and dad were watching the TV and what was going on. We put them on the bus the next morning and sent them back to school. And and those kind of decisions only happened because of God. We had no idea necessarily why we were there. We were not seeing what we thought we were going to see at first. But we had no doubt about who had sent us there. Yeah. And, and the overall purpose of us being there. And we had to have that certainty to be able to stick our kids on a bus the next morning and, and send them back. And We call that a crisis of faith. Here yes, it is. Sir. We we talk about it a lot of times with college students because they go to college and mm-hmm. they hear things that are completely contrary to what they've heard in Scripture. You know, where are they going to go? Do I believe? But crisis of faith doesn't just happen one time, but it happens to those on the mission. I mean, that had to be a, am I here? Should I be back home? All those things had to go through your mind, Tracy. Yes, sir. Our boys at that time, our oldest son was had just turned 12 about a month before. Our youngest son was about seven and a half. They were on the bus with kids that spoke English. The overwhelming emotion that we had or the overwhelming feelings that we got from all of the friends that we had made all the relationships we had made was was positive we we had so many friends at that point that came around us and expressed their support of us we went into a restaurant the manager came out we had already made friends and relationships with him the manager came out with tears in his eyes and expressed how sorry he was that it had happened. Our taxi driver friend it came to us and he said, I will do whatever you want me to do. He was not a believer. He was of uh, the predominant faith in that country. 
I will do whatever you want me to do to get your kids back and forth to school. I can, if you need me to take Miss Kathy somewhere, I will be glad to come and do that. All of the, everything that surrounded that time was was that. Yeah. Uh, wow. We had some very positive experiences. God allowed us to grow at that point. I figured point. so. Crisis times are a time of growth. Yep. And so after you settled in and you got there and you started doing the work, how long did you serve in this country? We were there for two and a half years. We expected, when we moved there, we expected to retire at that point or at least stay there as long as God would have us to be. And at that point in our minds, that was going to be the rest of our lives. In August of 2003, we had a a little boy that was born there in uh, in the middle of the Nile River. We were on an island. The hospital was uh, on an island in the middle of the Nile River. He was born in August of 2003. We had to come home in October of 2003. Cohen had uh, Down syndrome, and he had all of the uh, congenital heart defects that go along with with kids who have Down syndrome. We're a little bit nervous, obviously, uh, and our doctors told us that the best thing to do would be to go, go back to the States, let him get the nutrition he needed, all of the things that, that he would need. And so we, we came back home, went immediately to Le Bonner in Memphis. They took great care of him. He spent several months there with uh, several different heart surgeries. There was a stretch between March and April of 2004 where he was in the hospital for two months straight. Shortly after after he was out and well and our medical staff said it was okay for us to return to the field, we went to Israel for a period of about six months. Almost immediately after we landed, we realized we had veered out of the will of God. Mm-hmm. That was not where he would have us to be. We did not take the time to think through that. We went on the advice of, of some, um, some of our colleagues, and so uh, because we were doing it, Basically, wherever was going to be the best for Cohen, yeah, and the medical care that he could get. Uh, yeah. So we ended up in Israel. We were there for about four months. We came home in January of 2005 on January the 12th, and woke up on January the 13th. Cohen had passed away during the night, and you you reach this point where you, even as a believer. You you want to say, God, we've we've sold everything we own. <clears throat> we've left uh, our parents uh, at the time. My grandmother was still alive. We've left grandparents. My wife's dad had passed away about a month after September eleventh, two thousand one. Mm-hmm. All of these things had gone on, and and we're thinking, what's enough? How how much do we have to uh, do we have to sacrifice to to meet your purposes? And I, so I, I can't, as a believer, I can't sit here and say that we didn't question God, that we did not wonder what was going on. But I I, I have to say this: that was the most horrible time of our lives. Obviously, as a married couple, as parents, as brothers. For our kids, we spent a, a lot of the 90s going through experiencing God several different times. And 
there there were a number of times when this came back you you don't know god until you experience him and in in this extremely dark period we we hit what we thought was the bottom but we knew without a doubt that that god was there it, it in in the very darkest place in the very deepest pit there was this solid foundation under us that we knew was our relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we knew the love of God beyond a doubt. You know, the dark nights of the soul are really what try us and to see if what we have is real. Mm-hmm. When everything is going smooth, and the book of Job demonstrates that, who wouldn't serve you, Job? Look what you've got. <laughs> but when those times come into your life that try try your souls, that you look and say, is this real? Is, is where I am real? God, do you even care? Do you not know? I, I don't think anybody can explain it. It's something that is experienced. I, I really, to yes. put in words, uh, I've never yeah. read... And, and, you know, C.S. Lewis, I think, could write as well as anybody that I've ever read. I, that's my that's my opinion. And when you hear about the suffering that you went through about, you know, what God's doing, even that doesn't completely demonstrate it. Right, right. But God was there all yes, during this time. Yes, sir. There there was never a point where where we did not where we did not know the love of God. And that was another thing that, that we remembered from experiencing God was just the fact that you have to settle the fact that God loves you with a perfect love. And and once you settle that, you're able to move through a lot of suffering and through a lot of yeah. difficult circumstances. And even those mornings when we would sit on our balcony, watch our boys take off in the bus, watch the lady on top of the building across the street from us feed her chickens and ducks and cry in our coffee, as we would like to say. We knew, it, without a doubt, that, that God had put us there. There were days when we woke up questioning what we were supposed to do that day, why we had been allowed to do this, why we had been allowed the blessing of being able to be in a place like this. But in in the midst of all of that, we knew, without a doubt, that that it was God, that yeah. God was under all of it. Yeah, it's like, and I don't know who all can relate to this. I I cannot relate to it to the depth that you're describing in your life. Some can, and maybe it's only people who kind of have been to the mission field and had to come back to where it's a struggle and it's a fight and it's a challenge. And sometimes it takes a long time, and you finally get to the mission field where you feel God's calling you. And then you have to come back for whatever right. reason. Right. A lot of times it's health reasons and a crisis. And so then you start questioning your usefulness. Like, what, why am I there for? And maybe we come to the realization it's not about what am I here for or what am I here to do. It's more about who am I here for? Who am I to worship? In other words, underneath our usefulness, whether we have a high level of usefulness, maybe we're low level of usefulness, underneath all of that, even underneath all the pain 
and the suffering is God's love. Right. And it's who we are in Christ. And it's that relationship that's the foundation. Right. I think that's what you're describing and talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I hear you say that, I can't help but think of the hiding place, Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy in the prison camps there in Europe. Which is beyond description. Mm-hmm. And they were talking and Betsy says to Corey, There's no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper mm-hmm. still. Yeah. If that is that is that true? That's true. That's true. Very true. And you've experienced yes, that. Sir. You've been there. You've yes, been sir. to the pit. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And tell us a little bit about the journey out of. We did not envision going back to the field after after we went through a stretch of counseling. I have to I have to bring up during counseling, our grief counselor asked us after the death of our son, would you ever entertain the idea of, of adopting? Kathy and I had never thought about that at all, but we looked at each other, then we looked at her, and we told her spontaneously, no, we've never thought about that, but if we did, we would want to adopt a child with Down syndrome. Hmm. Moving on, we, we went back to the field in September of that year, we moved to uh, another area of uh, North Africa and the Middle East, another country. We served there for about 14 months. Our now 25-year-old son at the time was 12. He had some some health problems as well. And because of the uh, level of care that, that he was able to receive in, in this particular city, the doctor, his doctor, who was Harvard-trained, uh, told us, you're you're going to be better off either going to uh, another country or returning to the states to uh, get being treated. So we came back again, went back to Labonner, and Ben spent several uh, several weeks there with them doing some tests. Labonner Hospital is in Memphis, Tennessee. For those who are listening, great great, great place, hospital, yes. great place. Ben is uh, Ben's great now. Um, he is in as as far as uh, medical health goes. He's in he's in great shape. That was, uh, but once we came home, we came home with the intent of getting Ben through this and moving back to the field. That was not what God had in mind. Kathy, Kathy stuck with it. She uh, continued in her disciplines. She prayed. She read scripture. She stayed in the uh, in the disciplines. I, on the other hand. Um, experienced a, a period of bitterness this was at the end of 2006 and then throughout 2007 2008 i had just just a period of 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 wandering uh, being lost I, I struggled with spending six years on and off of the field and then being back in a place and and honestly we we came back to new albany uh we began attending hillcrest and honestly, although at that point Hillcrest was a great place of giving two missions, Hillcrest was not uh, did not have a reputation of of going and participating in missions. Kathy and I, uh, I, I would ask Kathy on a number of occasions, why would we do everything that had been done and God drop us in this? What I I called uh, uh, to my shame now this black hole of, of missions uh, because nobody used that word. Nobody talked about it. And I was, I was, I was at a bad spot. We 
Kathy said, if, if things are going to change here, we're going to have to pray. I, I would suppose that each one of you have had times where your wife has supported you when you've, you've had difficult times and your wife has been the one to pray and, and stay with the disciplines and you've had whatever challenges have been going on. And so that was where I was. And I, I have this, this wonderful, amazing wife who prays for me and supports me. And I'm, I can never be thankful enough. She said, we need to pray. And so we began praying, God, we know this is where you want us. This is where you've landed us. Whatever you're going to do, it's going to have to be from you. We began to pray that God would bring. It's not that no one at Hillcrest had a missions mind or a missions heart. It's just that there was no strong emphasis on it at the time. There were no people that had had uh, much experience with going or with ministering in the local community, a number of things like that. Hillcrest is a great church and was a, a great body at that time even. We began to pray, God, will you drop some people in here that have the same mindset that we do? God, will you will you bring some folks around us that we can at least have conversations with and people not look at us like we're nuts? Mm-hmm. For about three years, uh, we didn't we didn't see much of that, and and there were some some strange times in the, in the body there at Hillcrest. In 2011, we began to see God change the makeup of the body. And one day, Kathy and I were having lunch at at Pizza Hut in in New Albany. She introduces herself to a lady, and and uh, uh, the lady's little boy they're sitting across uh, at a table from us. Invited her to church. Those, that family started coming. We began to get to know them, and we realized that, that they had been on several mission trips uh, to other parts of the world. Another family moved into our, into our body. He is a uh, doctor. At the time, they had two small kids. They were, they were literally taking their kids all over the world to places to go and serve people just like us. They were going and serving at, at regional meetings of the IMB, and, and serving those missionaries the same way that Kathy and I had been served at regional meetings before. So now we've got families around us that, that understand our thinking, that understand Well, things. when we hear this, Tracy, we see God moving in your life and praying and God meeting your prayers. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to have part two to this interview and uh, we're going to continue with that. But God had some great things, and God's not through with that prayer of willing to adopt, right? That's so, correct. So we're putting this in as, as uh, hopefully it will intrigue people to want to, to hear the rest of the story, Nathan. Yeah. That, that not only we're, we're moving into the area of a church being uh, refocused on missions. Right. It can happen, can it? Oh, yeah. To go yourself is is great and wonderful. To get other people and mobilize a whole body to go, that's that's even more wonderful. That's, that's incredible. And I think that's what God wants to do. So God used two people, Tracy and Kathy, to be praying, and then a relationship built with another one and others to get a church 
on track for missions. You're listening to Exploring Missions. Thank you for listening today. We pray that God would use you where you are. And if your church is not on mission, start praying and asking God to bring somebody into your life, into your church. We'll see you again next weekend.